Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whoa. Whoa! Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Yumi and a Poltergeist. We are the weekly group that talk about creeps and spooks. Ah, good one, babe. Thank you, I know. I'm pleasantly surprised when you don't have to do it again and again and again. again <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what everyone else except our dark magicians miss out on. That's right. This episode is brought to you by our lovely Patreons over patrons over <laughs> on patreon.com. Thank you for your support. We love you. Yeah, thanks guys. Do appreciate that. No, it's really nice. Yeah. Bloody good, bloody good. Bloody good on ya. Yeah, nice. So what's new, man? Um not much, not much. Did I mention on the last podcast that I only drive eight minutes to work now? Oh, hell what? yeah. I think you did. <laughs> yeah, but it's really good. I'm you're really en- happy about it. You're enjoying not driving as much. But you yeah. have been driving a lot more within the last week. That's because you are not allowed to drive right now. Do you want to tell everyone why? Well, I cut something at work. you didn't wear goggles. Well, I wasn't intended to wear goggles at that particular point in time. And okay. it was 6.10 in the morning. I'm just going to get something started at work, you know. Just cut, starting work. I cut a... <laughs> 10 minutes into work. I cut a plastic strap around something. And, you know, why would you need goggles to cut a plastic strap? Usually I just cut it and it, you know, comes undone and everything's all good. But this one was wound exceptionally tight and it came up animating like a cobra before striking me in the eye with its deadly plastic venom. So it came whipping you in the eye? Yeah. And then I immediately was just like, God fucking damn it. And I <laughs> chucked everything on the ground that I had, and I was just like, you know those moments when you know you've injured yourself and you're annoyed? Yeah. So you're just like, fuck it. And you, <laughs> I, just, I had my, uh, well, the cutters for whatever I used to cut the plastic. <laughs> I just fuck. I don't know what they're called. The, let's oh, say the snips. I got this. I had the snips in my hand, and I was just like, "Fuck it!" I turn around and put them on the ground. I didn't put them on the ground. I threw them on the ground, and I was just like, and I was just putting my hand over my leaking like a fucking Niagara Falls. And I went to hospital, and they were like, "You got a bloody scratch on your eye, boy." And the protective layer of your eye. You got a scratch on the protective layer of your eye. Yeah, the, the cornea. cornea. That sweet, sweet outer layer. So my eye's been really sensitive and it was super blurry. Healing up now, having a few days off work to recover as I can't really get to work at 6am in the morning and I'm not really allowed to be in an area where there's metal dust flying through the air that could get into my eye and infect it. 
So, yeah, it's been really boring sitting at home. But, I mean, we're getting to record this podcast on a day or day that we wouldn't usually be able to record. Yeah, I'm not working. And I don't normally work Tuesdays. So when I do work a Tuesday, it's very weird for me. Mm. Like, I worked last Tuesday at Harbour Town, and I was just like, well, it's a Tuesday crowd. I'm not used to Tuesday crowds. <laughs> so because I've had to be the one driving everywhere, I have to drive Brayden to the hospital, to a different hospital than what I know on the coast. And when I was driving away from the hospital, going to work, I ran a red light because I had a panic attack because I didn't know where I was going and just all I could see was the road and no lights. So I ran a red light. You know, I feel like there's worse places you could run a red light than right outside of a hospital. <laughs> like, you know, even if you got in a car crash, it's not like help was far away. Yeah, that's right. It's literally just around. Up the road. So, if you're going to run a red light, I'll allow it. As I think long it only as you're just within... went red, though. Okay, well, that's fun. So, I swear I looked at it and it was green, and then all of a sudden I'm going through and it's red. And I'm not normally over in the left lane when I drive on that road, so it all seemed very different. And I know that sounds very weird, but when you have anxiety, it's different. Oh, what are we talking about today, Belinda? Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but I know what I'm talking about, and it's ghosts. You know, this is the fun thing. I don't think either of us actually knows what each other are talking about. Mm -mm. Usually we share stories, but this time we've kept very secretive. All I know is something about Jamaica with you. Yeah. And also... If you wanted to go and vote on next week's theme, we're going to actually have a theme next week. You can. Wait, no. The voting will be done by the time this is up. Never mind. But in future, if you do want to vote, go and become a patron on our Patreon. Just you, me, and a poltergeist. $2 to become a exorcist or a poltergeist. And And you you can can still vote on the category that we discuss. Or get access to our sweet Discord and... Have first pick when it comes to putting in your own stories. All right, so I guess let's just jump on into it. Yeah, jump on in. Oh man, I should also say I did put this in the last podcast podcast as a tidbit after when I was editing, but I did call the haunted pizza hut in last <laughs> week's episode, and I got a uh, very poor response from them. <laughs> they just what pretty much. Happened? Well, I mean, what else do you think would happen when? Someone I pretty much got treated like a prank caller and they hung up on me immediately. Which yeah, is but fair what enough. did you say? I said... How, would you think that that would be a prank call? Like, okay. seriously, if, it, if you were on the other end, the other end it, it sounded like a prank call. All right. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But, I mean, I have an Australian accent. So, what I said was... It, okay, let, let's just repeat the whole fucking process. All right. Ring, ring. Hello. Ring, ring. Pizza Hut. Hello, Pizza Hut Centre Reach here. <laughs> How can I help you? Hi, I'm from Australia. Is your Pizza Hut haunted? That's 100% <laughs> what a prank call would sound no, like. No, because I'm asking a question, a viable question. You didn't say, hi, my name is Brayden. I do a podcast. It's called You Mean a Poltergeist, and we discuss your location about it being haunted can you give me any information if it actually is haunted because this is an international phone call and i want some fucking information no it cost me like 70 cents for what 30 seconds i think it was like 43 cents or some shit i don't know exactly it was expensive anyways 
But that happened. You sounded like a prank caller. Yeah, maybe. Do you know why I know this? I used to do it all the time. <laughs> you used to call the haunted pizza? <laughs> no, I used to just call people and be like, so were you a fan of Michael Jackson? Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they probably were like, that's a bad Australian accent. <laughs> nice try, prank call. Yeah, good on ya. I mean, they wouldn't have sounded like that, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Good on ya. All right, so jumping on into it. Jump on in. The place I'm going to be talking about today is the haunting of Rose Hall in Montego Bay, Jamaica. And Braden is Jamaica part of Africa? (laughs) No, no, we don't need to say that in the podcast. (laughs) I was unaware of where Jamaica was. I've known in the past that at some point I knew it was in the Caribbean. But (laughs) for some reason, my mind blanked this morning and I was like, oh, yeah, Jamaica. Africa. Kingston. Like, that's like in the heart of Africa, right? (laughs) For some reason, in my mind, I was like, oh, you know how the other day we were talking about, oh, you can keep all of Africa as long as I get like this. And I was like, hell yeah, Jamaica. Just a completely wrong area. Anyway, Rose Hall in Montego Bay, Jamaica. So the Rose Hall has a fairly horrific history of death, murder, voodoo practice, slavery, and torture, which has culminated now into some very spooky paranormal activity. But obviously, before going into the entire uh, sort of paranormal events that are happening currently... I figure it's nice to give you a bit of a backstory on the entire place so we know what we're dealing with. So Rose Hall is a Jamaican-Georgian-style mansion in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and it is a beautiful-looking place. Regardless of the fact that it has such a horrific history with slavery and things like that, like the actual building itself is very pleasant to look at and the grounds are very nice like how gorgeous are like haunted places i know they are so fucking beautiful not like the abandoned rundown ones but the yeah. ones where they're like oh it's now like a hotel or whatever yeah and it's like just fucking beautiful and i want to stay there and i don't care if i get molested by a demon <laughs> have a a demon child um, um that would be all right a it would mean Great for content, you know what I mean? It, it would. Yeah, we'll have our demon child on the podcast every week, talk about Lucifer. Talking in tongues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's allergic to sage. <laughs> yeah. We sage the house and he dies. Um, <laughs> no. No. So Rose Hall, Rose Hall has panoramic views of the Jamaican coast and ocean, and it is, yeah, it's very very picturesque it's gorgeous so unfortunately the hall fell into ruin in the 1900s but was completely restored after the 1960s and turned into a museum and currently has a tour that details the history of the plantation throughout its slavery days and the sort of remainder of its gruesome past and its haunted history as well so they're really cashing in on this whole this place is haunted. Yeah. As like as a tourist attraction. As you would. Yeah, of Hello, course. Monte Cristo homestead. Yeah, exactly. 
So the full original building was completed in 1780, and in the earliest of times uh, of the building's history, they had approximately 2,000 slaves working in and around uh, the vast property at one point. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. What? Today's theme is slaves. Oh. Oh. Unfortunate theme for the day. Shadowing for my story. There we go. The property originally belonged to Fulke Rose, but was later sold off to John Palmer in the 1800s and his wife, who is the soul of our story here, Ooh. Annie Palmer. Was soul upon there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Annie was born in England and later moved to Haiti with her parents. And in Haiti, Annie had a Haitian nanny that adored her beyond belief, and the two were almost inseparable. So they spent a heck of a lot of time together. Uh, Up until she was 10, she had lived with her parents, but her parents suddenly and mysteriously died of a disease of some kind. Mm -hmm. But is it possible that maybe they were cursed? Because the nanny who took care of her from then on was a renowned practitioner of voodoo magic. No fucking way! <laughs> yep, voodoo magic. That's what... I was like, he's going to say voodoo. <laughs> and not only that, after the parents passed away, old nanny voodoo decided it'd be a great idea to tutor Annie <laughs> in voodoo magic for the next eight years of her life. Oh, Because, no. you know, why not? <laughs> So the parents. For disaster. Yeah, exactly. A spell for disaster. Ooh, maybe. very nice. I don't know what do voodooists do. Spells, I guess. Spells, little yeah. voodoo dolls. So the pair spent the remaining eight years together before Annie was eighteen, where she then decided to move to Jamaica. Obviously, being relatively close, because. Jamaica is not in Africa. No, it is not. (laughs) The stories don't really tell whether or not that Nanny Voodoo actually came with her. So I assume maybe the Nanny just kind of stayed after having taught the uh, young girl all Mm. that she knew about practicing Voodoo. She thought, time to let the eagle fly and then let the bird fly out of the nest and go to Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. And upon reaching Jamaica... She met the aforementioned John Palmer, and the two got married in 1820. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah, you think that, don't you? But no. Yeah, no. Horrible. It's always horrible. You know, there seems to be a lot of a theme with these manors and mansions that we have lately, and that is sort of... Don't get married. ...affairs and whatnot, and the affairs leading to bad things. Yeah. Well, this story also has affairs, but... It wasn't John Palmer who was having the affair. It turns out that oh, Annie shit. was having affairs, uh, or was having an affair with one of the slaves on the plantation. Was the slave a boy or a girl? Ah, uh, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so John found out eventually that Annie was having this affair through whisper from other slaves, and he decided to confront her. With a bullwhip. Oh, no. And That's not funny. I don't know why. I beat the absolute funny. living crap out of her, unfortunately, Shit. with the whip. Yeah, so the beating was heard, obviously, throughout the plantation and then talked about quickly. And 
everyone kind of, oh my god, Priscilla. I don't know what's on. She's like, just love me, mum. I just want to be part of the podcast. Sit on You're making me burp. <laughs> You're making me crazy. Oh my gosh. Yes, the word was quickly spread throughout the plantation that John had beat old Annie after finding out about the affair. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for John, that was the last evening of his life. As the follow, following morning, oh, he was no. found dead under mysterious circumstances. Oh, yeah. you know it wasn't mysterious. No, you don't. Oh, she fucking voodooed it up. <laughs> so... <laughs> She's like, you're my voodoo child, my voodoo child. <laughs> so the... Other slaves began talking and they were undecided on whether they thought that perhaps it was poison, a voodoo spell, or maybe Annie had like a voodoo protection over her that harmed John upon him hurting her. But regardless, she never got tried for the murder of John and then went on to torture and murder the slave with which she had the affair. Because why not? Yeah, after you kill your husband, you the obvious you know next step in the process is to slaughter the man that you had the affair with to begin with. Yeah, because it's all his fault. God damn it! Women can never own up to their own mistakes, can they? <laughs> so <laughs> says me. Yells at pedestrians this morning. <laughs> yeah. So because of how sort of enraged John was when he found this out. Mm -hmm. He never had time to change his will before his death to, like, or really break up. I'm not sure whether he really thought about breaking up with Annie. Probably just, like, thought He's like, I'm just going to fucking teach her a lesson. I'm going to beat her with this bullwhip and then... And then she's like, you messed with the wrong fucking witch. (laughs) Yeah. Because the will wasn't changed in any way, Annie essentially inherited the entire property... And all the slaves on it. <laughs> so now she's a voodoo witch <laughs> with, with, slaves. with a freaking couple thousand slaves under her belt. Fucking hell. The slaves obviously grew suspicious of the sudden deaths and began referring to her as the voodoo woman or the white witch because she's Was white. She white? <laughs> and obviously I say white witch, but I'm not talking about Narnia or Aslan or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Her reputation didn't stop men from falling for her, and she managed to marry two more times and had affairs with several different slaves throughout the rest of her life. She needs to stop. Close her legs. Maybe don't get married. Maybe just be a slut. You know, I think she's like one of those spiders that, like, eats the mate after... A black widow. A black widow. Yeah, she ended up murdering and torturing, well, torturing first, I was torturing and murdering all of those men that she seduced and had affairs with and married. Yes, you. Why? Why? Because she's the Black Widow. No. She murders everyone. She's the Black Widow White Witch. Yes, the White (laughs) Widow. The White Widow. (laughs) Yeah. The White Witch ultimately met her demise when her then-slave lover, Taku, 
decided he didn't want to get tortured and murdered and thought it'd probably probably best for him to cut off the snake before the snake could bite him. <laughs> and he snuck through the basement and through the rose hall at night where he strangled Annie and murdered her in her sleep. It's called karma, bitch. Karma, what right? You get. Yeah, that bitch. <laughs> so obviously, Taku had plotted this with some other other of the slaves on the plantation. Because the next morning, all the slaves went into the manor, took out all of her things, put them out the front, took her body out, and buried her in the yard, mm-hmm. and then burnt all of her belongings. Wow. I think this is because they didn't want her soul attaching to one of her belongings so she could continue haunting them forever. But did they forget that the whole plantation is now in her name? Exactly. And now she haunts the manor or the mansion itself. Oh, shit! (laughs) Exactly right. So now there is an actual tour, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. that goes into the detail of all the murders, everything that happened in Rose Hall. And all the horrific hauntings that are now prominently experienced on the premises. So if we ever go to Jamaica, we've got to stop in at Rose Hall for sure. Yeah, just when, when we just, you know, jump on over to Jamaica, we'll stop in. <laughs> quick just, stop. Just a quick, yeah. just a quick little rest stop. <laughs> so uh, some of the most prominent hauntings that occurring are occurring. Uh, there are reports that uh, the slaves that were tortured by Annie are now roaming the halls looking for their former lover who caused them so much physical and emotional pain and now spiritual pain in the afterlife, I dare say. Well, if she's there with them. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You hope they never find her. Uh, there's even an image shared by a psychic that visited Rose Hall. The psychic's name is Sydney Fisher. You can find her on medium.com. She travelled to the plantation with her family and she was sort of detailing seeing a number of spirits. On the plantation, when you go there and have this tour, they actually have actors there to sort of simulate or yeah, simulate what people see to give you like an experience almost. They've really commercialised it. I feel like I get scared. Oh, yeah. They make, like, weird noises and, like, walk around aimlessly and things like that. But They're she, not allowed to touch you, though, right? No. Good. She details seeing, like, a a lady in a blue dress walking around before disappearing. It's just like, was it a real lady in a blue dress? Oh, or was it, was it an actor? But, I mean, she did say that the lady in the blue dress walked into the edge of a table and then disappeared. So, I mean... And no matter how good your acting is, if you walk into a table, you're going to react. Yeah. And then there was one interesting event that happened while she was there with her family. Her son was in the bedroom where Annie had slept and where she was murdered. Mm-hmm. And she was take- he took a photo of himself, like a selfie, in her favourite mirror. And when they looked back, they posted the photo online, so you can see it. I might actually use that as one of the reference photos during the post we post on Instagram or Facebook. Mm-hmm. So go over there and look at that now. But in the photo that he snapped, there was a man looking over his shoulder, staring into the mirror with him. Well, he said when he took the photo, there was no one behind him. I don't know whether maybe it was one of the workers or something that mm. were on the tour with them or... Someone alongside him, just sort of playing out the act. It is a very clear image. Yeah, like, it's it's crystal clear. 
like there is it's not like you know half spectral or you have to like squint and then like draw a couple of dot the lines around it to see it it's like (laughs) there is a man behind you there is a full face of a jamaican man behind you right there exactly exactly right I don't know whether it could have been one of the actors or one of the workers sort of coming up behind him or if it actually was a spirit, but the lady seemed to think that perhaps it was one of the spirits that had been, or one of the spirits of one of the lovers who had been murdered after sleeping with Annie. Yeah. Which is fair enough. And it would be really cool if that was the case. Yeah, it'd be pretty at the, awesome. At the same time, after reading that there were, there were like actors and stuff that like go around, it's kind of like... Mm. Kind of adds a bit of a question mark to a lot of the sort of things. Yeah. Anyhow. So other slaves can be seen uh, that once worked on the plantation and met their demise. They're said to be roaming the grounds, trying to complete the tasks that John or Annie had set for them. Uh, Be that tending to the garden, cleaning the interior, or completing other set chores. Uh, There are reports of the classic sort of haunting and paranormal hotspot kind of things like cold spots, uh, knocks, other apparitions sort of roaming around with error clothing, uh, footsteps and sort of the sound of people like running through the halls, doors slamming and opening, things moving. There's even reports that the set of stairs right where Taku would have entered the sort of basement to climb up towards... Annie's room Mm. has, like, a lot of, like, uh, footstep kind of activity on it, which is interesting. And, of course, the creme de la creme of the entire thing is that you can even see (gasps) the ghost of the White Witch herself. There's even a grave out the front with... there's Her grave is out the front. It's her grave with her bones and shit in there. I'm pretty sure. Like I don't, I don't know whether it's marked with anything, but they say it's her grave. Could I'll be someone. It. Yeah, I'll take it too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the only thing about this ghost, which runs in line with a lot of other ghost, ghostly sort of females that I've talked about, be it Okiku or the lady from Duckett's Grove, is that if you see her, you die. So again, well, she's some kind of banshee. Well, she was a voodoo witch. That's true. Maybe she's cast some kind of, like, everlasting spell over herself that puts this kind of a death and unfortunate demise sort of magic around her. Yeah. Yeah, so a bit spooky, a bit interesting. I the like that one. area right now is really beautiful, and I'd love to go and visit. Add that to the list of places. Yeah, ever-growing list of places to go and see. Which we one day will be able to go see with your assistance on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and right. buying any of our merch. Thank you very much. That's uh-huh. the end of the podcast. <laughs> That's all for me, babe. Go right ahead. All right. So let's continue on the theme of slaves. And by the way, I was thinking yeah. while you were talking about slavery... 
I was like, why didn't they just call them employees? It wouldn't sound as bad, but I'm like, I don't think they got paid. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the point of being a slave. That was, like, that was my whole train of thought through your whole story. I was like, if they just called them employees, it wouldn't yeah. be as bad. And I'm, I'm pretty like, sure the US no, they Civil had War. terrible conditions and did not get paid. They were slaves, Belinda. Yeah. You fucking idiot. I'm pretty sure the Civil War wasn't fought over minimum wage. It was definitely fought. <laughs> <laughs> over the fact that they weren't being paid whatsoever and they were being kept against them. I mean, minimum wage is pretty much just slavery anyway. Like, oh, it's, wow. you get paid for nothing. That's very philosophical. Thank you. As someone who works on minimum wage and gets their penalty rates cut constantly. <laughs> I don't think it's anywhere close to slavery. Not. Let's just okay, let's put not. that out there. No, slavery was terrible, and I'm really glad that we do not have slavery in this world. Most of we the do. world. We, most there is of, still places with slavery. Most of the world. Most of the world is We're free. getting there. Getting there. It's only 2019. Let's continue this. Mansions and slavery. Mansions and slavery is the theme. And bitches that get married all the fucking time. Ooh, we somehow get things. We're so in sync. We are. Aww. What's a good in sync song we can sing right now? Do it. Bye bye bye. bye. In sync. Just <laughs> a sorry copyright because that was very clearly the exact. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. All right. On pitch. This is the La Lore Mansion. The La Lore? La Lore Mansion. Ooh. It's French. Oh, I thought so. So it's located on 1140 Royal Street, New Orleans. Oh, I love Ooh. New Orleans. I've never been. I mean, I was going to say, oh, wow, me too. I've never <laughs> been there. I hear it's great. I hear it's in Africa. Here it's in LA. (laughs) Yeah. Located on 1140 Royal Street, New Orleans, and the most popular stop on the New Orleans ghost tours is the La Lorraine Mansion. Some people don't refer it to the place to the place as La Lorraine Mansion, but instead as the haunted house. Wow! How original! Very, (laughs) very original. Um, so the house featured in the show American Horror Story, which I watched, and it was, like, fucking amazing. I loved that season. Um, and as always, shows and films are greatly exaggerated, but the events that went on inside are described as just as horrific. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the woman who became infamous as the cruel mistress of the haunted house was born Marie Delphine McCarty. She was born on March 19, 1787 to Louis, this is a long name, to Louis Chevalier Bartholomew de McCartney. D. McCartney. Sorry, I think I said McCartney before. McCartney. It's not McCartney. <laughs> Paul not, McCartney's. It's not Paul McCartney, not Jesse great, McCartney. Great-great-grandfather. It's McCarty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and mother Marie Jean Larabelle. Delphine was a member of a large family, very wealthy and politically powerful. Um, her family included military officers, planters, and merchants. And they'd arrived in America relatively early during the French colonization period. Um, Many of her relatives owned and managed extensive real estate and had a lot of slaves. Ah, slaves, yeah. (laughs) 
I feel like this is at the same time as well. When did you say? 1787? She was born 1787. This is very similar time. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, slavery was all... Yeah, it's about the right right time time for that horrible stuff. Before good old Honest Abe. Honest Abe came and had his wooden teeth. Is that what happened? No. He had wooden teeth? No, wasn't it George Washington had wooden wooden teeth? Wooden teeth. Wooden teeth. Wooden teeth. I don't know. I feel like there's so many other things you could make teeth from that would be better than wood. Ivory. Ivory? Like actual bone? Literally. <laughs> they did. Piano I mean, keys, if he teeth. lost them, why didn't he just, like, put them back up in there? Okay, pull out a tooth right now. And then put it back and in? put it back in. I'm sure it'll last the exact same. Yeah, are you a shark? Do you just grow more teeth? Yeah, that's what they call me. George is the one. I even got shot in the theatre. That's the one. I knew American history. Oh my god! Popularized by TV oh, shows. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You knew American presidential <laughs> dental records. Yeah, I've but. got a whole file on them. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump. I've got the real scoop. Yeah. Anyway, so was actually slaves. Um, so the family originated from Ireland. Legend has it that the family patriarch fled Ireland to France to escape the political and religious religious tyranny um, imposed by England's monarchs at the time. Hmm. Cool. The damn Catholics. Damn <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm kidding. Just like old Lady Duckett. <laughs> the first child of. Louis Chevalier and Marie Leanne Larable was also named Louis Barthelemy, born in 1783. Marie followed, but interestingly, her baptism wasn't recorded into the sacramental register until December 26, 1793, almost five years after her birth. And generally, the Catholic Church only do this when the infant in question was close to death. Oh, mm. she's a death baby. Ooh. That's sad. But yeah, also. Sad, but does it uh, really explain for a fucked up behavior? I think not, mate. <laughs> a lot of babies are born close to death and do not do the shit that she did. I mean, when aren't you closer to death than when you're starting life? That's right. Hashtag philosophy 2019. Do you know what I saw in a magazine today while we were doing grocery shopping? Porn. No. Would have rather seen that because it would not have made me so scared for childbirth. The headline under this lady's story was 76-hour labor made my brain explode. Ah. I'm getting cesareans. (laughs) I'm not going through the labor part. Fuck it all. I'm getting a cesarean. I guess she was just pushing so hard, her head exploded like a watermelon. 76 hours. That's forever. She could have died. Yeah. All right, so on June 11, 1800, Delaphine McCarty married Don Raymond de Lopez y Angulio, a caballero de la Royal de Carlo. Oh my god, what the hell is up with these names? It was a high ranking Spanish officer. Okay. That's why. Why do they have like eight names? I don't know because it's like the 1800s, and they're like, you know what we're gonna do? Six names. <laughs> so people in the 21st century don't know how to pronounce shit. <laughs> you know those two that are fucking... gonna have a podcast about us in like 
<laughs> in 200 years? Hey. These are fucking, like, French, Irish, and Spanish names. Wow. They're just mixing them. I can barely pronounce my own name, you know? That's right. I remember McDondola. McDondola. I can't even spell it. So, this, I'm sorry. I'll try my best. Anyway, so they were married at the St. Louis Cathedral. Four years later, she and Don traveled to Spain. The accounts differ on the journey that happened. But what we do know is that Don died in Havana while traveling to Madrid. Delaphine was not with him when he passed. Mm-hmm. During the voyage, Delaphine gave birth to a daughter named Marie Borgia Delaphine Lopez Y Angulia de la Candelaria. Oh my god, that was 12 names. <laughs> Nickname Borquita. Oh, why didn't we just start with that? <laughs> you know, have you seen that Simpsons episode where they're doing the news and he's like, uh, thousands killed in Guatemala, uh, <laughs> thousands killed in tsunami in France. <laughs> just changes it completely. All these names remind me of the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody with the oh, bellhop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is Julio Romano. Yeah. Esteban. Esteban. Julio. Esteban. Oh, I love that show. So they stay in Spain. Spain. They stay in Spain. Their stay in Spain was short-lived following her husband's mysterious death, and both mother and young daughter soon returned to New Orleans. Delaphine's second marriage was to Jean Blank, or Blanc. It's Blanc. Makes more yeah, sense Blanc, Blank. Not Blank. But whatever. Jean Blanc, a man who carried many titles, including banker, merchant, lawyer, and legislator. Oh, man. At least his name was short. You imagine if he had 12 <laughs> oh, names, and he's like, my name is John Blanc. Julio. Julio. Ramirez. Costafello <laughs> Jacobs. Jesus. I am banker, historian, <laughs> philanthropist, <laughs> Iron Man. Entrepreneur. Exactly. They wed in June of 1808. Um, after their union, Jean, Jean bought property with a house at 409 Royal Street for his family. During their marriage, they gave uh, Delaphine gave birth to four more children. You want to hear their names? No, I'm okay. Let, let's go. So Marie Louise Pauline, and then Louise Marie Law, and then Marie Louise Jean, wait, and then wait. Jean Pierre Paulin Blanc. <laughs> what the fuck? Could you imagine liking names so much <laughs> that three of your kids are pretty much named the same thing? <laughs> what what name I really like? Marie. Marie and Louise. They are, it's a great combo. Let's try it front and backwards and backwards and front. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. But unfortunately, tragedy struck again and Blanc died in 1816. Fuck, right? God damn. So I feel like the title of this episode should be... Oh, sorry. The theme of this episode is Murderous Wives. Murderous Wives and their slaves. Is she a sorceress as well? No. Okay. She just goes a bit insane. All right. Fair enough. All right. But it was Delaphine's third and final marriage in 1825 to... 
Another weird name. <laughs> Leonard Lewis Nicholas Lamorie. Oh my gosh. Which caused the most controversy. He was a physician. The meeting was not pure coincidence. One of Delaphine's daughters from her second marriage had deformities along her spine and was subsequently ill. Lewis was hired to cure the young girl using all sorts of medical equipment, which looked kind of like torture <laughs> yeah. equipment, you know. Should have um, just given her 50 cc's of dimples oil. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, chuck a little bit of cyanide in her drink. Yeah, right. that'll do it. <laughs> So, Delaphine's daughter was not cured, but Delaphine was in love with the physician, despite the fact that she was nearly 20 years his senior. Oh, cougar. Disgusting. 20 children in, all with the same name, 20 years onward from him, <laughs> and she is still going after it. She has, like, five kids. Wow. Oh, oh <laughs> so, let us show that Lalaurie Lewis, sorry departed New Orleans for France and that it was his brother who persuaded him to return because after all, Lewis had impregnated Delaphine. Nothing else could be done but marry her. Of course. That's the only solution, right? Back in those days, it was Instead of seem. pushing her down a flight of stairs. <laughs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad he chose <laughs> to marry to her. To marry her instead and of kill her. And thus comes her sixth child. Oh, no. Another one. In 1831, Delaphine purchased the property at 1140 Royal Street, where she would live with Lewis and two of her children. But the marriage was not a happy one. Neighbours overheard the couple arguing profusely, and it was almost unsurprising to them when Lewis packed his bags and moved out sometime in the early months of 1834. Mm. Losing her husband reportedly drove Delaphine mad. Rumours spread that she was harming her slaves, and an incident in 1833 when a young slave within the household, Leah, I'm pretty sure her name is pronounced, fell to her death in the courtyard, turned all eyes on Delaphine. An investigation um, was held by the council, and all of her slaves were set free. But one by one, Delaphine purchased them all back. Ooh. The events within 1140 Royal Street quiet, quieted until a fateful night in 1834. On the morning of April 10, 1834, a fire broke out at the luxurious house owned by Delaphine. The fire not only destroyed part of the house, it also brought to light seven slaves who were starved, tortured, and chained in the upper part of the building. Oh, lovely. In the American Horror Story, the uh, Delaphine was depicted putting the slave's blood on her as a way to keep herself youthful. Okay. Mm -hmm. that's so that's how American Horror Story she sounds like depicted a sorcerer. her. That's like one of the many rumours. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, she's kind of into that. Into ritualistic things. Yeah. Fountain of Youth and stuff. Yeah, maybe. sure. The Fountain of Youth is slave Slavery blood. blood. <laughs> Slavery blood. So if you want to be youthful forever, slave <laughs> don't blood say it. Out. Don't say it. I'm kidding. We're against slavery. We prefer the ethical use of horse blood. Obviously. <laughs> Buy ethical horse blood now at your local chemist. <laughs> for all the oil for free! Yeah. The nearly helpless were carried to the Cabildo, where they received medical treatment, food, and drink. Nearly 2,000 townspeople came to view the victims. Appalled by the wretched sight before them, the people began um, 
gathered at the La Lorraine mansion in, ex in expectation that the sheriff would arrest Delphine. However, the sheriff never arri arrived. Oh. As the day went on and no action was taken, the crowd slowly transformed into a mob um, with the only thought of vengeance. Did the sheriff die? No, he just never turned up. Ah, I thought no. Bellafine was about to... Well, you were about to say that Bellafine shot the Delaphine. sheriff. Delafine, sorry. I Delaphine. shot the sheriff, <laughs> but I did not shoot the deputy. <laughs> But I did not shoot the slaves. <laughs> <laughs> I only touched them. Jesus. <laughs> and he said, let the youthful measurements. Okay. So when Madame Laurie managed to escape the fray with her children, the enraged crowd attacked the empty residence. They stripped the interior of its valuables and continued their assault by trying to dismantle the whole house by damaging the walls and the roof. Good. By the next morning, they had nearly demolished the entire house. Details of the fire and the aftermath, as reported by eyewitnesses, emerged in the local newspapers during the following week. The account was soon picked up by the national publications. Madame Loray was depicted as a monster, a demon in the shape of a woman, and fury itself escaped from hell. Lovely. Mm -hmm. Those are quite the prestigious titles they to are. have, along with her other 15 names. <laughs> <laughs> the fire was ignited in the kitchen of the Grand Mansion, allegedly started on purpose by a slave woman who had been chained to the stove as a punishment. The fire seemed to be an attempt at trying to call attention to the appalling conditions that her and her fellow slaves were forced to, to endure. Many of the stories that are told about the LaLaurie Mansion involve slaves being found under extreme conditions after the fire was extinguished. One version begins with the conditions that the slaves were found in when the authorities arrived. It was said that one of the slaves had their bones broken numerous times and set in unnatural positions, as that when she moved, her limbs remained um, crooked and bent. Oh. Her gait reminiscent of crabs oh my god mm. that is so sad <laughs> i want to make a joke about crab people but i feel crab like that's very people, distasteful crab people look like crab speak like people i did it <laughs> i don't know i don't think <laughs> i can touch that <laughs> i'm so sorry just really like south park <laughs> Anyway, another slave was said to have had a hole drilled into his head with a wooden spoon sticking out. Oh, my God. An obvious attempt to stir the brains of this poor soul. Yet another person was allegedly found with skin peeled back so that the tissue and muscles exposed to the naked eye. And yet another slave was said to have had their in intestines removed from their body and wrapped around their naked waist. Oh, my God. and black ants. The lucky ones, as the legend goes, were the ones who were found dead, their torture finally at an end. That is... This lady's horrible. It's fucked up. I told you. What the hell? I told you it was fucked up. I feel like torturing these poor people is going to be the fucking theme of this podcast. Torture, slaves, crazy women. Crazy women. It's really good stories to be telling while <laughs> I'm having my time of the month. <laughs> yeah. Surfing the crimson wave. Cowabunga, <laughs> cowabunga, dude. Cowabunga, dude. Fucking hit the lip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just 
the lip really? Wow. Ew. It's like a little dude at the end of my vagina just surfing the crimson wave. Many of these stories and exaggerations can be traced back to books written by commentaries well after the fire broke out. The more gruesome stories are renditions told in Jean Delevingne's The Haunted House of the Rue Royale Royale, in 1946. Delevingne claimed to have come upon her information from old newspaper accounts, interviews, and neighborhood hearsay. Delevingne also declared that when the house was sold, workmen went about the task of rebuilding the house. They uncovered numerous human skeletons beneath the house in all sorts of positions. Shelter-skelter, barely covered with soil, shreds of fabric still adhering to their bone. Some of the skulls had holes in them. The authorities concluded that the bodies were those of former Lalaurie slaves, their bodies buried to hide the fact that they were killed inside of the Lalaurie mansion. Are these bodies the former vessels of the ghosts which haunt the Lalaurie mansion today? We'll find out. Do tell. What kind of shit's going on now? So while other newspapers in the area simply said that there were slaves being kept in poor conditions, the New Orleans Bee newspaper took it many steps further by saying that the slaves were tortured. Some of them appeared to be part of medical experiments because, you know, the husband was a physician. Oh, it thickens. The plot. The plot. the blood. Ugh. Okay. There are a few things to consider about the bees' coverage of the La Lorraine La mansion and the events surrounding it. First, they were only newspaper to they were the only newspaper to include stories about tortured slaves being mutilated. Second, their reputation in the 1830s could be likened to the reputation of the National Enquirer today. Where Bigfoot aliens are being, are being spread. Wow. Historians argue that these article about the fire, the slaves, and the Lalaurais was based on information they obtained by hearsay. So it wasn't true J- journalism, pretty much. Right. That's so horrific. It is. I remember hearing about someone, or maybe it was in the Guinness Book of World Records, or Ripley's Believe It or Not, that's the one. Ripley's Believe It or Not, where this man had a candle placed in his head. And he'd walk around like what the fuck? walk around like grounds and stuff. What do you mean, like in his head? Like he had a hole in his head where he put like a candle. Like a top or something? Yeah. Like a little tea light? Yeah. Tea light no, spot? like a long candle. Yeah, but like, yeah, I got you. And he had a candle on his head. Why would he do that? I don't know. I think someone did it to him or something. I don't know. But he walked around and he he was like the person who'd like. Walk around and take people on tours or show people places or like, you know, stuff like that. Because he had the light to go away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, <laughs> their informant was Monsieur Montreal. That's how I'm going to pronounce it because I can't pronounce it. The spurned neighbor of Madame La Torre. Montreal. Mon- Montreal is how it looks. It looks like Mon- it's not Montreal. It's not Canada. It's Montreal. Troil. Hmm. All right. So they lived next door to the Lalaurais at the time that the fire broke out in years prior to that as well. So he suffered an unfortunate bout of unrequited love 
for Delaphine. <laughs> he suffered from it. He suffered so hard. The poor thing. I bet he suffered hard. It was documented <laughs> by reports interviewing people after the fire um, that he had made advances towards her for years. Was he married? No. Okay. He would talk about her in a derogatory manner to the people of the newspaper as well. Ah. Yeah. Spiteful. He wanted to be the one that was getting tortured. He's like, I wanted to. I'm sick of suffering hard. Drilled in my head. Yeah. I want to have a candle put in my head. On her face. He was probably stoked when the physician bailed away, yeah. And then he didn't get a chance with her regardless. So in the Sunday magazine section of the New Orleans Times, um, on February 4th, 1934, much of this information was brought to light by Meigs Frost. He wrote that the whole story, the slaves being experimented on and the mutilation was the result of a smear campaign orchestrated by Monsieur Montreux. So Frost wrote, her indulgence for her slaves was well told by friends. She would hand half-empty wine glasses at dinner to the slave who waited behind her chair, insisting that they drink it. Her coachman was fed to, to sleekness. Frost also provided information on the slave girl, Leah, who was supposedly chased by Delaphine through the house with a whip. He stated, based on his information and sources, that the little slave girl who leaped from the roof, fleeing Delaphine's whip, was actually sliding down a curving banister, playing and fell, being killed by marble hallway floor. So they say. So they say. Or was she pushed? I reckon it was Delaphine. Absolutely. I want her to be the bad guy. So after she left New Orleans, um, we know she went back to France. Her ship docked in Mobile before continuing to journey to Paris. Her death is shrouded in mystery, just as her life was. One popular account as has her being killed while hunting boar. That is very unlikely. Other stories report her returning to New Orleans later in life under an assumed name. While the story is widely discounted by historians, there is a reason to believe she could have. According to some, she is buried in Blanc Tomb, Blanc Tomb, in St. Louis Cemetery Number One. Most likely, she died in France. There are records kept in France which show she died on December seventh, eighteen forty-nine. More significantly, letters exchanged with her children explain how Delaphine wanted desperately to return to New Orleans, but that her children forbid it. Do you not remember what happened there? Her son asked in one. The children that she had with Louis Lallaray all lived the rest of their days with their mother in Paris in the same house. So whatever the truth may be, in the late 1930s, Eugene Bakes, who served as sexton to St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 until 1924, discovered an old cracked copper plate in Alley 4 of the cemetery, the inscription on the plate read, Madame Lalaurie, um, Marie Delphine McCarty, 7th of December, 1984. Oh, 1842, sorry. Okay. That's pretty much, she died then. Mm. And he's buried there. 
Okay, so she did make it back to So France. she did make it back to France. She never went back to America. Well, good. Yeah. I hope that if she did, the fucking mob would come and get her. So, for almost 200 years, there have been reports of paranormal activity coming from the house. It shouldn't surprise me that a lot of the hauntings can be tracked back to the slaves that Madame Loray, La Loray kept in the property. Reports of moaning coming from the room where the slaves were kept are common. Phantom footsteps echo through the house with regularity. Many people who have stood near the house have reported feeling as if they were um, taken over by negative energy. Uh. Despite all the ghost stories and paranormal happenings at the Lalaray house, it would be folly to assume that all of them can be tracked back to Madame Lalaray and her mistreatment of the slaves. In 1894, a tenant of the Lalaray mansion, it had been since converted into apartments, was found brutally murdered in his room. His belongings were ransacked as if someone had gone through them. The police assumed that he was a victim of robbery, even though nothing of value could be found as missing. An interesting account in regard to his murder deals with the police interviewing neighbours about his disappearance. One of his friends claimed that he was having problems with spirits in his house. His friend wrote... Uh, His friend wrote it off as his imagination running wild with him. But he did say something interesting. That his friend had claimed that that there was a demon in that house who wasn't going to rest until he had met his end. His end. Damn, maybe the demon manifested and was like, I'm going to get you. Pretty fucking much. Which the man did in this house. Yeah. Is it possible that at least some of the ghostly phenomena can be a result of the brutal murder? Dun, 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 dun. Potentially. It certainly is I mean, possible. a place that's surrounded by so much death and, like, mistreatment of people and negativity, of course, would be such a sort of breeding ground for negative entities. When you put that shit out into the universe... You're going to draw some bad shit that's in. That's right. That's right. So this thing's probably just like, oh man, there's so much negative energy here from the past. I'm going to just sit here and suckle up on this for a little bit till I get enough energy to brutally murder this poor guy. Yes, you're correct. That's exactly what they're doing. The Lalaray Mansion was, for a brief time, also a school for all girls during the mid to late 19th century. At first it had been one of the few mixed schools in the city of New Orleans, but politics during the reconstruction era were convoluted and surely enough soon after the school at 1140 royal street was converted into strictly all girls african-american primary school so within a short amount of time reports of physical assaults came to light the young girls were known to approach their teachers tears streaking down their faces with their sleeves rolled up the exposed flesh of their forearms was scratched and bruised. Uh. Who did this to you? The teachers would demand. The answer was always one and the same. That woman. That's so these creepy. These girls were very young um, that they were probably not aware of Madame Delaphine and the devastating tra- tragedy some decades earlier. Moreover, it was unlikely that the teachers themselves would tell six, seven or eight-year-olds about the starvation and immoral torture of slaves some decades before as well. Right? I mean, <laughs> some of those girls probably had relatives that lived in that house and died in that house. Most likely. It's like, hey, 
Hey Janet, you Do know you. Know Uncle John. Yeah, spoon in his head. Shouldn't say Uncle John. Uncle John. Yeah, my Uncle John died this year. I should have said that. <laughs> Sorry. Second time. You know your great grandfather Greg. Yeah. Organs wrapped around his waist. <laughs> yeah. So he started this great trend back in the day. <laughs> Where he'd wrap his organs out around his belt loops <laughs> and he'd just wear his be- organs like a belt. Fuck <laughs> I wonder if she had like an organ, like one of those instruments that was just made oh, from organs. A- an organ, okay. <laughs> an organ made from organs. An organ organ. That's now an organ. Organ? <laughs> Sorry, an it? organ organ organ. <laughs> <laughs> I found like sound like I'm saying something like from Scandinavia, <laughs> Swedish, like <laughs> something that should be yodeled. No. Organ, organ, organ. <laughs> okay. So, Jagger's report. One must wonder if in a situation the young girls were playing pranks on each other, or if their claims that some phantom woman had. Um, scared them was true. No memoirs exist from this period, just a scattering of accounts here and there. So there was one particular instance made known to the Ghost City tours um, in New Orleans, who have regular tours throughout New Orleans and this place in particular, of course, in which someone on one of our of their ghost tours happened to be a medium. Throughout the entire night, she had sensed things about various locations before the tour guide even said the story. Both in the first sight of the LaLaurie mansion, the medium sucked in a deep breath and said, such sadness, as she rocked back on her heels. Pulling out her phone, she proceeded to snap a picture of the mansion. The bricked up window, she went on. That's not where the little girl fell out of. The tour guide paused simply because she hadn't gotten to that part of the story about the little girl at all. Nevertheless, she recovered quickly and said, no, you're right. The story goes that Leah fell into the courtyard. As for the bricked up window, I suspect that someone did some interior decorating but wanted to maintain the symmetry on the outside of the home. So that's not where the little girl fell out. And the medium picked that up without being Interesting. Is the point out. So in the next few minutes, the medium experienced such a heavy emotion, like a like the weight had settled down upon her shoulders. She sensed the spirit of a young boy who liked to play pranks on the living, and also the spirit of a little girl who was often nervous. Did she feel any helpless or anger, as the tour guide asked? No, was the response. Whatever happens when the LaLaurie, with the LaLaurie, does not visit this house any longer. Ah, that's good. So it's like other spirits okay. now in that area. Now they're just like, okay, it's we'll like, come and be here now. It's like spirits and entities and just shit, you know? You know, it got converted into a hotel, so they'll probably like, damn, our home's damn. being rented out to all these other people. we got to leave. That's right. And then other because ghosts started moving in. You know, there wasn't enough space for them all. No. Not enough energy. We had a little fucking shit playing pranks on everyone. <laughs> exactly. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, Fuck even if you're a shit. ghost, you don't want to wake up in the morning and have like... Like a dick drawn on your face. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the old ghost dick. <laughs> I was going to say like mouse traps all across the floor, but... You know, <laughs> ghost dick and play I'm alone it with some marbles at the door. <laughs> yeah. Macaulay Culkin spirit. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, on another occasion, a guide was giving a tour. They were at the Lalaurie Mansion again, standing just directly across from the front door. To their right, another group was discussing the tragedies of the Lollary, um, some 50 feet away. But where they were under the quiet moonlight, the story of 1834 was slowly being unveiled, you know, with the fire, when all of a sudden the guide felt a tug on her messenger bag, which was draped over her shoulder. She stopped in the middle of her story, twisted to look over her shoulder, convinced that she might find a pickpocketer or someone with the intent of stealing. Um, no one was there. However, she just turned back around, she kept talking in, her, in character and explaining everything. And then about 10 seconds later, she felt a tug again, but harder, a distinct yank. Once again, she whipped around and no one was there. This time she told the tour what had happened in their faces, as she said, priceless. Priceless. Absolutely. <laughs> so two weeks later at the corner of Governor Nichols and Royal Street, the guide was out on the streets again, bringing another tour around. The Lalaurie Mansion, of course, was the main hit. She had positioned her group under a set of street lamps, which had unfortunately been burnt out for weeks. She launched into the story about the girl falling down the stairs or into the courtyard and dying. But within a minute... She had said the name Leia. The lamps flickered on. Everyone in the group paused. A few yelped in delight that something had happened. Oh, really? Molly. Molly's just like rolling under her feet trying to bite our ankles. The guide went on with the show. When she said the name Leia again, the lamps went out. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. But they've been burnt out for weeks. Yeah. So. Creepy. So then the light was gone. So despite the nearly two centuries which have passed since the fire in 1834, the events of that year are still told today as if they occurred only just yesterday. The house itself has become quite an entity. The house has become an entity? The house has become an entity. Monster house. Oh, shit. Did I tell you that that movie wasn't even supposed to be released? Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but it, I just read that it was never supposed to be released. Interesting. Which I understand. The graphics are shit. It's pretty scary for it's pretty a scary, PG though. movie, it's though. It still scares me. The scariest PG movie out. The fucking old man dies. Yeah. On screen. Yeah. While attacking a young child. Yeah. Insane. Anyway. So, are you ready for a fun fact? Fun fact me up. Fun fact. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage purchased the fucking building oh my in God. 2009. Wow. He soon lost it after because of bankruptcy, which followed his, like, plummet in his career, how his career just, like, fucking tanked and was like, shit. Yeah. Like, he was just no longer the greatest <laughs> actor of all time. Um, the New Orleanians whispered that it was the curse of the LaLaurie Mansion, which caused his downward spiral. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I bet he would have asked when the, if he would have been there while the, ho- with the hotel, while the mansion was uh, on fire? What? How to get burned? How to get burned? <laughs> <laughs> These are the things you got to ask your property. <laughs> Your property seller when you're going to make I'm sure a he purchase, knew you know. I'm sure he knew them. So it says here History. there was a fire. So the 
Records show that since Delaphine no longer lived at the residence, um, no one has ever lived there for more than five years at a time. And the current owner, an oil tycoon from Texas, has only been living there since about 2013. So, might be going up for sale soon. Oh, we Who better knows? purchase it. Everyone pull together your money so we can buy the haunted man. Hell yeah, we're going to turn into a hotel. New Orleans <laughs> hotel, yeah. I don't know if our Grace is a hotel now. I don't know. Anyway, so, as of today... You can sometimes screams can be heard from the oh, building. Yep. Um, and apparitions of slaves have been reported to be walking on the balconies. And that's all I've got for you. Cool. That's a really spooky story. Thank you. I think the thing that's more horrifying than the haunting is the fact that this shit happened and that she was doing medical-like experiments on these poor slaves. It is insane that slavery is a thing and was such a massive thing back in in those days. Like, yeah. we've got to, you know, it is still a thing. And it's sick that they could... You, I mean, they said that they were expecting the sheriff to come out and sure arrest her. But they, but you... She just thought she could do anything to these people. Well, I have a feeling maybe back in, the, in that day... The sheriff wasn't didn't give a shit yeah. about the slaves. She was probably rich and like paying him off. Probably. Yeah. She's probably sucking him off. <laughs> Jesus. By the sounds Maybe of Maybe she's a bit of a uh, she had cougar. She's six fucking kids to three different men. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you so much for listening. Bob. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Oh, and the rest of you guys, thanks so much for listening. If you want to support us on Patreon or follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you can at You Mean a Poltergeist. That is correct. Thank you, Brayden, for plugging that for us. And if you really want to go ahead, follow my personal account. Not much gets posted there. Probably a couple photos of Molly and Mouse and Priscilla and the guinea pigs. Um, it's Bambi Mackers, B-A-M-B-I-M-A-C-C-A-S. And mine's Brayden Farmash, number I can never get this right. B-R-A-Y doing number five. A-S-H. And we'll join you next week. Yeah, I guess so. Don't forget. To brush your teeth. And exercise regularly. <laughs> you, you took him for a loop there, oh, babe. Took him. Oh, fucking got yous. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh. <sighs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.